Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I've purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guest is Will Stoffer. And Will is uh, born and raised in Northeast Ohio, actively using and collecting Planet Junior cedars, cultivators, tractors, and tooling for nine years. He has sold hundreds of Planet Junior tractors and cedars to farmers all over the country in Canada. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So share a little bit, you know, um, you've been doing this for, you know, really focused on the plant juniors for nine years, but did you grow up with a farming background? Yes and no. I grew up around farms, but we never really had a farm per se. Uh Um, And I I got into plant juniors. Um, My dad had gotten me a 300A cedar for Christmas one year. Uh-huh. And that was just a game changer for me. And I started to dive deeper into the company and realized that their main focus for 100 years was vegetable production. So uh-huh. it, it really opened up my eyes to all the possibilities that were out there as far as mechanical weeding and seeding and things of that nature. Gotcha. And so at that time when he got that, were you just gardening or were you doing farm scale? Um, I was gearing up to to start a farm scale, I would say. Mm-hmm. My biggest struggle was to mechanize everything because I was just by myself. Um, the weeds eventually take over. To, to try to scale up by yourself, it, it uh, takes a lot of knowledge and equipment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So you started with the cedar, and that was actually a an excellent cedar. I mean, those cedars, I actually had one trying to remember what year I got that probably in 2005 when I got mine. Um, and we ran that until we, um, we actually, you know, had the Jang dialed in and uh, that, you know, multiple rows behind the tractor. So, um, and then let's, what was your next piece of Planet Junior equipment? Um, I would say some cedars and wheel hose. Um, but if we back up a little bit with the weed problem, I started off with a, a 1960s Cub Cadet tractor. Okay. We took the mower deck off and put a cultivator on the back. And I had all my row spacings so that tractor would fit down the road. I could use that as a cultivator. Gotcha. And so was that, that more yeah, of like that's a, when I found a lawn tractor, or was that actually like with tra- with tractor tires? And was that more of what mo- model was that? Uh, it's a Cub Cadet 71. It okay. would be like a lawnmower size. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, and that was just one round at my dad's place. And I cobbled a bunch of parts together and painted it and, and put a cultivator on it. And it worked good for about two seasons until I found the Planet Junior tractors. And that was a total game changer. Yeah. Now, obviously, with the tra- junior tractors, there's a tractor, but then there's the cultivators because without the cultivators, your tractors, you know, not wor- not going to do a lot for you. 
Yeah, correct. The track, the, the the power unit itself doesn't make as big of a difference as the cultivators you put behind it. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think a lot of people struggle with you know figuring out mechanical cultivation and it's incredibly effective when they use it properly. Let's first kind of like you know talk about the history of it. You know, I think a lot of for a while there it went out of style because of the chemicals, but now it's coming back in the style. Um, I, I think it never really had a fair fighting chance because it came, the the walk behind tractors came out the same time the regular tractors did and it was that whole time of changing from the horse to the tractor and tractors kind of just took over and walk behind took the dust mm -hmm. And then with that, so let's talk mechanical cultivation. Um, you know, we've, there's so many different tools out there. For someone just getting started in mechanical cultivation, what would you say is a good, um, a good thing to, to kind of get started with? I would say the first thing you should try to do is keep it very simple. I see too many people, they, they want to right away go for cultivating three rows at a time and see how much tooling you could put onto one cultivator. And, and I think a, a better way to go about it would be to just keep it simple. Just, just worry about keeping those pathways clean for now. You know, get the feel for it. Um, see how you need to lay out your farm differently to use the tractor. A, a lot of these people are going from a, a bed type situation and that takes a lot of change to go to like a row crop situation. So you know, start small, keep it simple. Okay. You know, don't, don't try and go to the, go to the end right off, right off the rip. Yeah. Because there's the, the pathways and with the pathways that you would, you do some obviously coulters to keep the thing steady, but then just drop in some sweeps. Um, yeah. Or some, uh, duck feet or crow's feet. There, there's so many different terminologies for the same, mm -hmm. uh, same type of tool, I guess, jargon, you would call it, uh, different companies will call different tools, different things, even yeah. though it's all the same. Um, but yeah, and it, it just uh, like, like teeth, uh, that would just go through your, uh, pathways. And I guess when I say pathways, I'm talking about the space between the rows. Mm -hmm. So if you're on 15 inch centers or 30 inch centers, just that, that pathway between the, the plants. Now with the planet junior system, it's better to do, cause I know some people do like, if they've got bigger tractors, they do like a bed. So like, you know, here on the farm, we use a super C for a lot of our cultivation and we're set up with like five foot beds. So we've got the walking paths, then you've got the full bed. But with a planet junior, you typically plant directly across the field because you don't have that bigger tractor that needs to get in, correct? Correct. Yeah, there's no need to leave big spaces uh, in between your your rows. Uh, some people do that if they have um, uh, like watering water reels or something like that. And you might want to do that every so often to leave, like you said, harvest paths. Yeah. Um, but just generally picture a picture a cornfield, and it's just row after row after row, mm -hmm. and and that's kind of what you're going for. Yeah. And because like we did try to do more of a paths and then cultivate, but the problem is, is because those paths are typically like packed down more than let's say the rest of the, the field. What happens is the uh, plant junior or cultivator tends to, they, it really wants a nice smooth level field to work on. And it tends to actually cause problems if you try to do it in that kind of situation. Uh, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. If you're a lot, a lot of foot, uh, foot uh, traffic and um 
like wheelbarrow tracks if you're going in there when it's muddy to harvest um, yeah but if, if you cultivate regularly enough you should be able to keep that smooth all season long mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um let's it's talk not about- a one and done type of thing it, it's, a, it's a constant maintenance you want to cultivate as often as possible Okay, so let's break that down, talk a little bit. When you say as much as possible, like every three days, every five days, and once every 10 days? Um, it really depends on the type of crop, uh, your uh, uh, location, your soil type, uh, how much rain you're getting. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, sometimes around here, you might not be able to get in there for 10 days because of a rain. Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's, it's dry and you could get in there uh, twice a week. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's really, it's going to vary. All right. And then what, what with like, do you like to cultivate after a rain to kind of like break the soil crust again? Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's step number one, go through there and break that crust layer. If you do get a crust layer after a rain um, and then you can go and follow through with different tools. Yeah. And what kinds of tools, let's talk different tooling. I mean, we mentioned like the, you know, sweeps or, you know, duck feet or something like that. So that's kind of, I think most common. What other things do people putting on the back of these tractors? Well, finger weeders for one, and that does uh, inter-row. Hilling discs, uh, spiders, uh, beet knives, uh, bezeride hose. All right, so let's break down each individual of those. What would you, where do discs come into play? What's the the best use of those? Um, Any any crop that can take any kind of uh, hilling action or soil being put onto the row, um, potatoes, um, corn, beans, peas, um, garlic. You don't want to do anything like onions. Yep. But anything, what, I think beets and carrots, you can hill just a little bit because sometimes that helps to get, once they're up enough, that helps to c- keep them nice and dark colored. Um, don't get any Yeah, and, and you can hill it just a little bit and then run finger weeders through there. Um, That'll actually hill it a little, a little bit more, but um, maybe take like a wire weeder through there afterwards and then pull some soil away, mm-hmm. you know, put in, take back. Yeah. You yeah. can even set up the, set up a disc. So it pulls soil away from the row too. Yeah. And, and yeah. that's also a, a good option for a really young tender crops and you don't want to get close and you can use that disc as a shield and just pull a little bit of soil away. So you're not throwing anything up onto the row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when stuff's super small. Um, so the, you've got the the seeder. You're seeding with the the 300 seeder. Typically, when's the first time the tractor's going to come through after you see the crop? And what's the first tools you like to use for very small crops? Um, something like carrots. Uh, if you put some a little bit of radishes in there to see your row, you can start going through um, you know pretty pretty quick just to keep those weeds away. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, transplants pretty much as soon as they get rooted, you can start going through there somewhat aggressively. Um, it, it, it really varies. You, if you see the weeds, you're too late. Mm, I think that's a key point right there that so many people don't realize is that you're cultivating the soil. If you're weeding, you've got your, yeah, you're too late. Yeah. So. And we're not so for say killing, we're only playing with the, the, top inch or two of soil here yeah you know we're not going deep it's not like we're taking a rototiller through every time and going six inches yeah the goal here is just to hit just the top little tiny bit and keep that like pretty much powdery 
powdery and you create a mulch layer and that's going to retain the moisture below the mulch layer and help prevent the weeds from growing up through that dust. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, we, we mentioned carrots there. So with the first time you go through on a carrot row, what kind of tools do you want to use? Uh, the first time I go through, I, I try to pull a little bit of soil away from them. I'll, use, I'll okay. use a disc and pull a little bit of soil away and just focus on the pathways. Um, they get big enough, you could start running finger weeders through there. And they don't mm -hmm. need to be that tall out of the ground because they've got such a good root structure. You're not going to start killing plants. So when you say big enough for finger weeders, what are you saying? Are you saying three inches, five inches? I just want to make sure people understand. Exactly um, you can size. even just go out into the field and try it yourself with your own fingers. Just imagine your fingers scrubbing through the, mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. plants. And if you're pulling fingers, it's too early. Yeah. But as soon as they're holding themselves in, now it's time to go out there and start hitting them with those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so finger weeders. Now, would you use like a um, a tine weeder on carrots and at what stage? Um, I've never really played around with the tine weeder on carrots too much. Um, I, I would say as soon as you could put, uh, hit them with the finger weeders, you'd be able to go through with a tine weeder mm -hmm. or a wire weeder. Yeah, and that's going to really, you know, work through, just break the crust even further and actually pull some of that soil back off the, the road too. Yeah, I've found that the tying weeder doesn't work as well for crust, at least where I'm at, because my crust layer can get pretty hard, mm -hmm. and the wire weeder is not aggressive enough to break through that crust. Gotcha. I, I guess I could make it aggressive, but then I'm going to start killing plants. Yeah. So. What is your soil type up there? Um, I have like a clay-based soil. Okay, so pretty heavy. Yeah, sticky when wet. Uh, you, yeah. you sink into your boots and hard as a rock when it's dry. Wow. So the but it's brown that, yeah. and it grows, it grows, uh, you know, really good produce. It's high in minerals and. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's got retains water, which is good and bad. Yeah. So do you actually then irrigate during the summer or does it pretty much take care of itself? If, if, as long as that works. I do not irrigate. It, it, I just don't have a setup for that. And. I, I just, I just haven't really found that big of a need for it. I know this year we had a little bit of a dry spell, but usually we get enough rain throughout the mm -hmm. season that I'm worried about getting too much water versus not enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you don't have a ton of rocks. No, I have no rocks in my soil. Which so is let, a plus also. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because I know that is one of the challenges with, you know, having a planet junior set up is that the rocks can really cause some havoc. Yeah, they, that's with any type of cultivation with rocks or, or even plowing or disking. I mean, it's you're going to start chipping your discs away and it, it's just a challenge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're not so, going to want to run something like basket weeders through there because you're going to get rocks stuck in the baskets and and you don't want to go. You're, you're going to start throwing rocks onto your plants and it's just, uh, just one of those challenges. Luckily, I've never had to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah, we have pretty minimal rocks here. Um, so, I mean, with rocks, you probably could obviously just run some um, some shanks through or some um, duck feet, right? That's probably kind of like what you're limited yeah, to. Yeah, or you can run a beet knife and, and you can run yeah. finger weeders too. And some people do run basket weeders successfully, but others don't. I guess it varies on how big your rocks are and how many there are. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some of this rocky um, soil is almost gravelly. You know, yeah, other people just have big boulders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And both have their their, their specific challenges. Um, let's talk a little about the beet knives. What? Where do you find that the beet knives make the most sense? Um, for me, slicing off a, a crust layer after a rain, um, it works pretty well for that. Um, anything, anything young and tender because they have a shield that's built in. So you're just getting that pathway and nothing's getting thrown towards the plants. So you're running that with the vertical right next to the plant and then the knife is facing away from the row, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Then, so the, 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 the vertical acts as a shield. Yeah. And actually and, it, you've got pictures of all this in the, there's a, a Facebook group, correct? Um, yeah, gardening for market or planet junior farming yep, or planet, planet junior and similar. <laughs> yeah. Planet junior farming is the one I'm in right now. And you got a post there July 9th, um, with a bunch of pictures of different cultivators and stuff. And I'm looking at some beet knives right here. Um, yeah, which are really nice to run up against that row and then face out. So it cleans that up. Planet junior made a style and I've never been able to find any other company that has, or any new equivalent. And it was called a muck hoe. Okay. And it was designed for the mucklands. And it's a 12 inches long, but it only makes a six inch wide cut because it's mm. swept back so far. And they're really non-clogging. And some of the regular yeah. beet knives, yeah, they're self-cleaning. Some of the regular beet knives, they'll collect a little clod uh, up by the uh, vertical horizontal where that meets and mm -hmm. eventually just start building up right there. And those muck hoes, or, yeah, very self-cleaning, like you said. Nope, nobody mm -hmm. makes anything like that today. Yeah. Um, I know they're still doing, you know, still growing in the mucklands. I'm just wondering if they're just because they're just doing chemicals on that or? Um, I think they use a lot of, I, I, I think they use a lot of um, mechanical cultivation on the mucklands too. It's just Planet Junior went out and nobody kind of picked up where they left off. I know Tillmore is doing a really good job at that, and so is Ryan Thiessen, mm -hmm. um, but they're just, you know, they're, they're only two companies, so. Yeah, so let's talk that a little bit, too. What are the companies out there that where folks can find these things? Yeah, I would say Tillmore and Thiessen would be your number one stop. If you're in Canada, uh, Thiessen, uh, Tillmore, uh, they're actually right here in Ohio, about 20 minutes from my house. Mm -hmm. um, they're the really only the two companies I know of that are really focused on small to medium scale growers yeah. and, and really trying to mechanize those systems. And so, I mean, obviously, if you were to scale up and go anything tractor mounted, like four wheel tractor mounted, you have things like, um, gosh, like TerraTech is making some stuff. Um, and then you've got, well, they went out of business, the place up in Michigan that was doing um, a bunch of farm equipment. Um, I forget the name of that company. But that would be like your Farmall Cub size, your Alice Chalmers G size. And there's Correct. been so many yeah. uh, copies and duplications of like the Alice Chalmers G tractor. Um, those, those have been kept alive over the years, but you've got to be a pretty sizable farm to to justify a purchase like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not too many crops I grow that I need to cultivate four rows at a time where I'm doing the whole field of it. Well, you know, I think... I'm only doing a little bit at a time of each thing. And that's, that's where a walk behind tractor makes sense. Cause I can drop that cultivator and put a new one on and it's just the right scale for, 
mm-hmm. for so many people. Well, I think that too is that yes, if you're doing acres, you may need to scale up, but most of these farmers are doing, you know, what, 12 rows of this or six rows of that. And so be able to pop in and out really quick. And the plant junior travels pretty fast. It's a fast walk. Yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, uh, procuring the tractors, because I know that's something that people struggle with. And obviously, I know like Tillmore actually has a new version they have, which is their Power Ox, um, but the old plant juniors are still definitely around. Uh, yeah, they're around. I've got probably 15 of them sitting here at my house. I guess you could call me a hoarder. Um, there's a lot of other people across the country that have a lot of them too. And you don't necessarily have to have a Planet Junior for a power unit. Uh, there's at one time there were over a hundred different manufacturers of walk behind tractors. So the odds are you can find some type of walk behind tractor around you that made in a new engine and new tires, but the mm-hmm. rest of the tractor is uh, still mechanically viable. It's, it's the Planet Junior style cultivator that really set it apart from the rest of them. Gotcha. And are they interchangeable between the different tractor models? Or is there significant modification that needs to happen? Um, basically, you're going to have to make some type of a hitch adapter. Um, if you're mechanically handy and have a welder, that's going to be a piece of cake for you. And if if mm-hmm. you don't, then you're going to want to buy something off the shelf. Yeah, I agree. I, I believe Thiessen has... I believe Thiessen has hitch adapters for the Simplicity tractors because that's probably the second most common to mm-hmm. the Planet Junior. It, it, it goes really well with the Planet Junior cultivators. Yeah. And I, I think some people say, you know, like, okay, I've got a BCS, I'll just use that. But there's some significant challenges there, correct? Yeah. And I'm not trying to knock BCS. Uh, they make a fine rototiller. I've, I've tried them several times. Um, it's just they're built for tilling. And they're big and they're heavy and they're heavy to the point where you could get optional steering brakes to help you control the thing. And a Planet Junior or another type of cultivating tractor is purpose built for cultivating and Mm -hmm. light and nimble and easy to control. So, yeah, you you can cultivate with the BCS and I've seen plenty of people do it, but you're going to have a much better, it's going to be easier on you and you're going to get some better results with an actual cultivating tractor. Yeah, because the BCS, the, sh- the tires are typically shorter, um, and they're just not going to clear as well either. But you can get bigger tires and raise yes. the BCS up. You can get through all those hurdles, but at the end of the day, it was purpose-built for tilling, and it's a big, heavy machine, and yeah. they're not the easiest to handle and maneuver. Well, and the Planet Juniors are not that expensive. Let's talk through pricing. On like a, a good used unit, what are you going to spend? I mean, if you go to an auction, you could find one for a hundred dollars. Sometimes it all depends on location, but generally, generally in the uh, fifteen hundred dollar range, I would say for something that's uh, field ready. Yeah, so it's been worked through. It's going to fire right up. Now, fifteen hundred. Yeah, going to that- fire. Brand new motor, yeah. new tires, new belt, all the consumables. I would say to be replaced. Yeah. And then we're going to have to look at equipment for the back. And so what are we looking at? What's that going to cost you? Well, I would say, yeah, that, that price would be with some type of equipment for the back. Okay. So, so if, you you want, if you wanted just a power unit, you're, you're talking cheap, but, and then you add another $300, three to four or five for a brand new motor, Honda yeah. motor, direct bolt swap, uh, new belt, new tires, maybe another $200 for that. Paint it whatever color you want. You know, yeah. you might have 800 bucks into a, a turnkey semi-brand new unit. 
with all the consumables mm -hmm. replaced. Yeah. And maybe yeah, another $800 into a cultivator. Yeah. It's significantly um, cheaper to go the used route than let's say a brand new Tillmore. But yeah. if you're not mechanically handy, then go for the Tillmore. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really nice. Well, because I think the Tillmore too, they've had a lot of upgrades. They've got brand new motors. Um, they're going to have the service. They're going to support. And um, again, setting up that brand new is going to be a lot easier than trying to find different parts from different places. And a lot of people just don't have the time. They might be mechanically handy, but they're so busy already that they don't have the time to rebuild one of these. So yeah. they're going to go the new route. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, and so- And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Now with, with a basket weeder, you're typically just gonna basket one row with that, right? That's the best setup? Correct. You, you can do two. You can get a, a two row on. I think Jason Weston does that with his two rows at a time, two mm -hmm. pathways at a time. But that's typically for younger crops, more tender crops. You're not going to go go through there a couple of weeks before harvest. Yeah. With yeah. the basket weeder. Yeah. Hey, thriving farmers, do you know that you are already standing on the key to bigger yields and better profits? To help maximize your yield and profit potential, look beyond the standard fertility options. Choose Ultra by AgriGrow. Ultra is an ARMRI-listed soil prebiotic technology designed to develop the native microorganisms in your soil. AgriGrow's prebiotic technologies are engineered with the users in mind. Ultra is easy to use and has great tank mixing abilities that won't clog or mess up sprayers or injectors. It also does not require refrigeration like many other probiotic formulas available on the market. In December of 2020, I was introduced to AgriGrow. At first, I was a skeptic, but I was able to check out their production facility and meet the owners and staff. This company is great. Over the last year and a half, I've run several different trials using their products and I'm really impressed with the results that I see. I've seen my soil texture improve during cultivation. I've seen decade-old heirloom corn germinate for the first time. My $6 cost of Ultra boosted my strawberry fields dramatically. AgriGrow is offering a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out at smallfarm.solutions. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. What do you, would you say, um, like if someone's just getting into this, what would you say like their first, should they go find another grower who's doing it already and just watch them for a while or? Well, that would be extremely helpful just to, just to familiarize yourself with cultivating itself mm -hmm. and, and to know the fundamentals behind it and uh, the whens and the whys and the, that, that would be extremely helpful. Yeah. If so, not, you could just dig your feet right into it and you're not going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. So let's but you're going to have a learning, a trial and error learning experience. Yeah. What would you say like some of the fundamentals are? So if we're, you know, we're thinking about this getting started in the spring. What would you say the biggest fundamentals to pay attention to would be? Really just, just get in it and go. Don't be afraid. It's just, just, do it as often as possible so you never see those weeds and eventually you'll get the hang of it. Yeah. And they're, then, they're fairly simple to use. I mean, they, they, I can go through there with two fingers on the handlebar and my other hand is holding a cell phone videoing what I'm doing. So uh -huh. it's, it's not that hard once you, once you get acclimated to it. 
Yeah. And one of the important things though, is having the uh, guide wheels on it. Let's talk a little bit about the guide wheels. Um, so the gauge wheels or the guide wheels, they're going to act like a rudder on a boat and they're doing two things. They're helping the cultivator track straight and they're controlling the depth of the cultivator. So mm -hmm. you picture a four wheel tractor, you have your two front wheels and your uh, culters or gauge wheels will act as your two back wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And that also helping control depth too. So you're not digging in too deep. Correct. And you can change your depth. Certain, certain crops can take a little bit more depth than other crops. You want to go really shallow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let's talk a little bit about the different, you know, applications too. Cause like, I think even squash, you can seed squash and then come in and, and cultivate that a few times before it kind of bushes out. Yeah. You want to take advantage of a canopy, but that's pretty much with any growing situation. A lot of times when I'll do stuff like um, um, squash, pumpkins, or tomatoes, I'll plant in a checkerboard pattern, I guess you'd say. So okay. I'll do like a 60-inch center with 30 inches between each plant. Yeah. And that way I can cross-cultivate until the plants grow over to the point where it's just a solid mat of plants. Okay, so when you say cross-cultivate, you mean let's say we're going east-west, and then you're going to come back and go north-south. Correct. Yeah. 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 That's nice. I know. I think Jason does that with some of the crops he does too, before he puts like his pole bean poles and he cross cultivates yeah. those a few times. And that's actually a very an old technique. There used to be a thing called check row planting and they would plant corn like that fields of corn. And yeah, back when horse cultivating was still even a thing. And I think it went all the way up into the fifties before it kind of got phased out there'd be a wire on the planter and it would hit that a notch in the wire every so often and drop another seed. And they would massive fields go through and cross cultivate because wow. there were no chemical options back then. So they had yeah. to, they had to be in the, a lot of ingenuity. Yeah. And a lot, and I, it's amazing thinking that they were using at that point using animals um, and uh, yeah. the animals were trained to, you know, not step on the plants and that sort of thing. Well, they had wider rows. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. a little more, a little more in tune with the earth then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk through what kind of crops do you grow up there on your farm? I grow a little bit of everything. I've been putting my focus towards more storage crops like onions, potatoes, carrots, beets, uh, things that can store a long time. Yeah. I really like growing onions. Probably my favorite crop to grow. All right. And so with onions, are you buying in uh, sets or plants? And what time of year is you doing that? I'm buying little plants from Dixondale. Mm -hmm. And I put them in the ground manually. And then I go through and cultivate with the Planet Junior. I fertilize with the Planet Junior too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Either um, a push fertilizer or there's one that mounts to the tractor. But that's very hard to find. It's something I've been trying to push uh, Tillmore and Thiessen into getting some some type of fertilizer for the small farmer because right now i don't know of anything that's available well anything that's available for any decent price um there are some you know yeah. very ex expensive nice ones but they're whew, they're big money so you know finding yeah something and geared towards a larger scale generally yes yeah so they're going to be very heavy and they, yeah we just need something that holds like you know 50 to 100 pounds fertilizer max yeah one bag of fertilizer and you could go through and do one row at a time and that would serve the needs of so many people yeah absolutely absolutely uh, we have a you know we obviously till with a four-wheel drive tractor and i've been trying to find something that would mount to our um like you take off our our forks off the front of the tractor and something that would just you know 
uh, mount right in the front there and I could drop the fertilizer as I went across the field. Yeah, I've seen some people do that. They get a, a Gandhi box, I believe is how you say it. Yeah. And they're long and they'll go across the whole bucket. Yeah, that's what I've been looking for. But again, those things are not cheap either. So yeah, I, and, and again, you're going to modify it when you get it to your place because nobody offers a kit like that even. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to um, make sure you set your speed right because typically those aren't – well, there are some which they've geared to They just basically with the bucket. They kind of drop it a bit and then just go straight down the bed, and then it's wheel-driven. But most of the time, you're looking at running it off the electric motor or even hydraulics, which is – I think the electric would be better than the hydraulic because hydraulics might be a little bit more touchy depending on your, your RPMs. Inexpensive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, so, you do, so with potatoes, then, uh, um, are you doing all the hilling with the Planet Junior? Yes, I am. I'll right. start out with like a seven-inch hilling disc, and then I'll work up to a 12. Gotcha. I'm, I'm not going for a real tall hill or deep. I just want something wide. And eventually, the potatoes make their own canopy that if one pops out, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you deal with uh, potato beetles? I use chemicals for those. <laughs> I haven't found a okay. good organic solution for that. So I'm not 100% organic, but I, 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 yeah. I don't use stuff if I don't need to. You know, I, yeah. use, I use no herbicides. Yeah. I use conventional fertilizers and um, re really the only, uh, the only, um, I do use is for the potato beetles. Everything else I've been able to deal with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's say someone's setting up a new field. Let's talk through like establishment there. Are you, would you recommend them, you know, rototilling or just moldboard plowing? I, I, I use conventional tillage. I use a moldboard plow and a disc okay. and then a cultivar packer after that. You can go through and just rototill. You're, you're not going to use a walk-behind tractor for your primary tillage unless yeah. it's something like a BCS that was purpose-built for a tillage tractor. Yeah. I know they, do, they did make plows and discs for the Planet Junior tractors, but they're, they're small and light, and it's just not, not economical on a semi-large scale. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the plant juniors are meant for, again, that top inch, really not going any deeper than that. Correct. But they did offer plows and you, you could do it, but you're going to have a much better time with an actual tillage tractor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, talk through a little bit about like, um, you know, the different types of weeds. Like, you know, obviously you've got your grass weeds. What would you say the most effective tools for managing those would be? grass the tillage <laughs> okay plow it under in the spring get, get bury it deep and and cultivate frequently so you don't get any grass establishing and and you still might get some here and there it's not not nothing to be a perfect system yeah yeah but then so more of the this the the weeds that are more geared toward being managed during the season are going to be like your annuals like you know millet or um lamb's quarters pigweed that sort of thing yeah, that, that stuff's going to be easy to cultivate out of there. And any type of shallow cultivation is going to kill most of that stuff. Yeah. It can be a hard one because sometimes you can end up spreading that all down the row and it's just going to keep coming back and coming back. Yeah. Yeah. What was that weed again? I missed it there. You cut out there for a second. Thistle. Thistles. Okay. Yeah. 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 Thistle. And because that one's so deep, so I mean, that really only is going to be effective with like typically like a probably a beet knife, right? 
yeah, you you keep slicing it off, and it's not going to become a big problem. But eventually, the the crops might get so big that you're or create a canopy that you can't get in there anymore, and that thistle's just going to come right back. You're you're not killing it; you're just slowing it down. Yeah, yeah. What about like um, bindweed? What's the what? What have you found effective for that? Really, just con- conventional cultivation: uh, beet knives, uh, um, or duck feet, teeth. Yeah. 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 Your 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 hardest ones are going to be grass and so anything that spreads when you drag it around your field or has a really deep tap root, you're going to have yeah. a hard time with it no matter what you're doing. Yeah, and that's why but you can so, lessen lessen the hurt. <laughs> yes, and that's why it's so important to um, uh, so important to do weeds when they're small because the bigger the tap root, the harder it is going to be get rid of. Exactly. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see a weed. It's too late if you already do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, what else would you like to share? Uh, I think that's all the questions I had. Um, but yeah, kind of just share what other things that you think would be helpful for folks. I, I think the most helpful thing to do is is to try to keep it simple and 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 don't try and start off with the end goal right off the rip because you're going to spend way too much money for stuff that might not work on your farm. You know, just because you see you see pictures of what I'm doing or pictures of what somebody out west is doing doesn't mean that system's going to work for you. And if you start mm-hmm. off with the basics, you can build your own system because there's so much available out there that you know you don't want to be spending mu- money for nothing just for to trial and error, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I would. Say- Day too, you know, jump onto the groups and ask questions. I mean, there's a lot of resources out there, as you mentioned, on the different ones that are going to be really helpful for folks. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> there's plenty of people out there that will give you free consulting on on mechanical weed control. And um, yeah, take advantage of that. All these groups, there's a lot of very helpful people out there, and and even the experts, they're all still learning today. It, yeah. There's always more tools we're discovering, or more ways we can do things, and it's it's an evolution. Yeah. What would you say the most recent thing you've discovered slash learned has been? I would say that the Bezeride hose, we, we stumbled across the set that were actually stamped Planet Junior and um, got them into the field and uh, they work so good and then realized, wow, these are still made today and they're relatively cheap mm-hmm. and they're easy to mount to one of these cultivators. So yeah, that's and- probably the most recent one. And talk and through it's simple. It's just a piece of metal. <laughs> yeah, and talk through what's the best. Uh, what's the best use for those? What's the best situation? Any anything that can take some aggression. Um, yeah. It's not something that you're going to want to use around tender crops right away. I mean, they're they're semi aggressive. I would say. Yeah. So like a lettuce after they've been well rooted in, or you know something like that. Right. And that can take a, that can take out a little bit bigger of a weed. Correct. Correct. And, and it's going to get a little bit closer to the plants. It, it's going to somewhat get that inner row a little bit moving yeah. the, the soil around. Yeah. So let's talk that inner row because obviously there's between the row and then you got the inner row and the inner row is where your fingers really come into play. And even like a little bit of your tine weeder. Pine weeder, finger weeders, healing, um, anything that you're getting soil or disturbing soil in the row 
Um, and that's, that's where most people have a problem anyways, because even, even if you're on an extremely small scale, you could take a hoe or a, a rototiller or anything and keep your pathways clean. That, that's the easiest thing to do. Um, it's that in the row where most people have to resort to hand weeding and, um, you know, your finger, finger weeders, tillers, stuff like yeah. that. It, it's, that's your biggest time saver is that in the row. And it might not be a 100% perfect but when you do have to go through there and hand weed, you've already killed 90% of the weeds. So it's a lot more enjoyable to pull one out here or there than sit down on a little cart and go inch by inch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I think that's the thing people don't realize is a lot of this is about taking passes at the correct time. So you're not sitting on that cart because you'd be like, I don't have any time to cultivate with the plant junior but no you don't have time not to or else you're going to sit there on that little cart or you're going to lose your crop yeah labor is going to be your most expensive thing and and anything you could do to minimize that it, it, you know these these walk behind tractors are a very small investment compared to hiring one person on your farm for a whole season yeah absolutely um so we talked a little bit of the inroad there um now let's talk about hybrid systems folks that are let's say you know using plastic on their farm do you guys have success using the plant juniors to clean between plastic um so that's something i've never personally done but i have talked with tillmore and they have sold a lot of tractors to people that's that's all they do is cultivate between the plastic rows and they've actually engineered a type of finger weeder with multiple fingers stacked on top of each other that can go through and touch the plastic and not poke holes through it and clean out that between the row. Nice. Cause I know that's a major problem with people using, you know, a mixed system there. Right. But it's not going to be the, the solution to whereas you've already established a grass path and you want to go through there and kill the weeds. This yeah. is going to be something that you're going to have to do all season long. Otherwise it's not going to work. Yeah, come through. Now, I'm assuming what they do is a couple shanks there more toward the middle of the path and then those um, those fingers that I go run up against the side of it. Correct, correct. Yeah, the middle is going to be the easy part. It's the up close to the plastic. And from what I've seen, they've figured it out or they have the best solution I've seen so far, at least. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, are people using this on, on plants used on any perennial crops? Let's say like asparagus. Have you seen that? Um, I have not seen that. And that's not something I've really tried a lot. Okay. Uh, it's probably something I should focus more on, but I, I would say, and, and like finger weeders, um, I know Thiessen has been working, um, uh, with a lot of vineyards lately and I forget what his system is called, but it looks like a massive finger weeder. I don't know the size, but it looks like it's like two and a half feet around. Mm -hmm. And it's aggressively going up against those grapevines and getting that in the row. And I, I think on a, you, you scaled that down, you know, you could probably do asparagus or something like that with it. You yeah, know, just a yeah. traditional finger weeder. That's something we're looking at doing some asparagus. And the reason, biggest reason we haven't is because I know weeding cultivation is literally going to be a nightmare. So you know, yeah. to figure out how to make sure we can keep that clean. Um, I, the first year I ever farmed, I worked for a guy and, uh, he had eight rows, 200 feet long of asparagus and, uh, it yielded great. I mean, like he was out there every morning picking a couple hundred pounds 
but our job was to go through and weed it. And he had crackgrass in there. So we'd go, we'd go through and weed the crackgrass, crackgrass, and then we'd roll out four foot round bales of straw. And gosh, man, that was a, that was a challenge. That was a challenge. Yeah. And, and that's, then that's, I think that's why a lot of people go towards mulching when they're doing stuff like that. Same with like strawberries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say another big thing too, with the whole system is just to systematize and use the same spacing as much as possible. Yeah, that's key. You don't want to, you don't want to uh, make things overly complicated for yourself. Um, I, I use a, uh, either a 15 inch row or a 30 inch row or a 60 inch row. Um, I know a lot of people use 18 inch rows. Um, it, it, if you stick to a 15 and a 30, everything's already kind of standardized to that uh, tooling that's readily available. Um, so that's kind of a smart thing to do. And, and, and 90% of your crops out there are going to be able to be grown on either a, a 15 inch or a 30 inch row. Yeah. Yeah. So then carrots you're not going to, you're not going to mechanically cultivate something with seven inch row spacings. So, you know, you're going to have to spread it out just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I've seen this close to seven, but that's with a four wheel tractor and that's some pretty serious um, cultivations in uh, stuff. Like I've seen like very narrow baskets, like these little tiny baskets that were fit down, but that's pretty, pretty specialized. Yeah, I've seen it too, and you can do it, but um, it's not going to be, it's not for the beginner, let's just say that. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's another thing too, like you said, uh, starting out, um, you don't have to cultivate right up to the plant when you're a beginner. Um, get your feet wet and set that tooling in a little bit and just focus on maybe just getting the middle of the pathway and getting the feel for the tractor. And as you get more and more comfortable and more and more experienced, you can get the, that tooling closer and closer to the plant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, real. Uh, what would you say your favorite cultivator is for the plant junior? Uh, it's called a B12 cultivator and okay. it's a round shank cultivator. Um, it's a V shaped. You can either set it up to straddle the row or go between the row. And uh, it's a round shank when I have triangles on the bottom of it. And it's just so versatile. I can clean out any 30 inch row with it. And that's basically the only tool pathway tool I need for 30 inch rows. It's my go-to cultivator. Gotcha. Second would be finger weeders. And then third, I have those muck hoes or beet knives. And yeah. I have that set up on a three row. Those, those gotcha. three and finger, yeah, I, those three, I could basically run the whole farm. All the other stuff you're playing around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, anything else you'd like to share before we go? Um, yeah, um, actually, there is the Midwest Mechanical Weed Control Field Day is okay. coming up September 14th. So if anybody actually wants to try this stuff or see it before they buy it and see if it's something that would fit their system, um, it's in Benton Harbor, Michigan, an hour and a half north of Chicago. And BCS will be there. Tillmore will be there. Thiessen will be there. Um, I can't make it, but I'm going to be sending some of my tools up there. And this is they're going to have walk-behind demonstrations. And they're actually going to be demonstrating these on crops. So Very you know, if cool. this is something you're thinking about doing, that would be something I would recommend looking at, the Mechanical Midwest uh, um, Weed Control Field Day. And where can they get more information? Is that on Facebook someplace? 
Um, it's all over Facebook. You do a Google, a Google search of Midwest Mechanical Weed Control Field Day. You're going to find it. Okay, perfect. I think this right. might be their fourth one. It's, it's a pretty good show. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it before, and I know they've had them in the past. So um, very cool. Well, thank you, Will, so much for your time today. Appreciate it. And I uh, can't wait to share your this um, recording with the audience. Yeah, thank you for your time. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.